Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Welcome to Strategic Planning Podcast with Mike Flanders from Strategic Planning Corporation. And this month, we're going to do something a little bit different here on our July episodes. Uh, We're going to be listening to a Social Security webinar that Mike recently put on. He's going to be discussing some of the 2023 changes to Social Security, and he'll go over some bigger changes that happen to RMDs as well with new legislation and things like that. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to him. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or find all the information you need at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. Let's get on with the show. Take it away, Mike. Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining the webinar here today. We're going to spend about a half hour, I hope, uh, talking about what's new with Social Security this year and um, its meanings to you. So here's the topics that we're going to be touching on today. Um, This uh, past year, or or starting for 2023, uh, when we're recording this, uh, Social Security paid a pretty substantial cost of living increase. It's called a COLA. Uh, We're going to talk about how that's determined and put it into context and see how it means your Social Security benefits will operate going forward. Uh, Another number that was affected by the cost of living adjustment is the earnings test threshold. We'll talk about how much you can earn in 2023 without having benefits withheld. If you happen to be getting Social Security benefits prior to what's called your full retirement age or FRA. And then we're going to talk about uh, Social Security payroll taxes, the uh, income taxes that you have to pay on your Social Security benefits that you may be receiving. Uh, For those of you that are on Medicare, we're going to go over new Part B premiums. That's the physician's charges premiums that you have to pay for. Uh, Most people get Part A, which is hospital coverage at no cost uh, currently because you paid for it with your taxes from payroll withholding as you worked. But we're going to talk about the Part B premiums for 2023 and just uh, also cover some dates uh, to watch in uh, 2023. And then finally, or actually, no, there's a couple more. Uh, We're going to give you an update on the status of Social Security and the trust fund that you hear about and some of the proposals that have been uh, offered for reforming Social Security and making the trust funds more secure. And then finally, an update on some Social Security claiming strategies. When it's time to start getting your benefit, What's the best way about going uh, toward that uh, and getting the maximum benefit for you? So let's start out with the cost of living adjustment. In October of every year, Social Security, uh, the administration, they announce a a bunch of numbers and they uh, take into consideration the inflation rate that's been occurring over the previous 12 months. So right now we're hearing what are some uh, speculations as to what that adjustment might be for 2024 coming up. Nobody knows right now because we don't have a full 12 months prior to October of this year. We still have a few more months to go. So uh, people are looking forward to seeing what that will be to determine, are we going to get a raise next year in our Social Security check? Even if you're not receiving Social Security benefits now, this cost of living adjustment or COLA will impact your benefits down the road when you actually end up uh, starting your Social Security benefit. 
a new uh, number this year that's been affected by the uh, cost of living adjustment is the earnings test or the earnings threshold test. And then the uh, higher Social Security wage base, that has to do with the maximum amount of earnings you might be having in the current year that uh, Social Security taxes are assessed on. So the COLA for 2023 was 8.7%, as you can see here. Uh, this means that if you were getting that top line, you'll see an $800 benefit. You'd get about a $70 increase to $870 as your new benefit over to the, the 800 in 2022 to the new benefit in 2023. If you are earning up at the maximum, which is the bottom line of this chart, $3,900, then you would see an increase at that 8.7% of about $339 and bring you up to $4,239. So uh, it was a pretty nice increase this year, one we've not seen in a while. And here's a chart going back to 1988 showing the year-by-year -year COLA increases. So you can see in 1988, the increase was 4.2. You can go down that column, go to the next column to the bottom, and you'll see for the years 2010 and 2011 that there was a 0% cost of living increase. In other words, whatever you were getting in 2009, you got the same amount in 2010, same amount in 2011, there's some potentials for some adjustments based on if you're still working and maybe earning more, replacing some lower earning years in the calculation. But, you know, just in general, a 0% increase. And then again, in 2016, there was a 0% increase. But as you can see, the last couple of years, uh, it's been a little bit higher than normal. The average has been 2.6. The uh, Social Security trustees project 2.4% as the COLA going forward. That's what they use in their calculations and considering all the uh, aspects of Social Security. So how is it calculated? Well, it's based on the consumer price index for urban wage earners. So what they do is they measure a basket of different goods and services like, um, you know, the, the, the typical person who lives in a city in a, uh, er, an area around a, a town that uh, they would generally incur. That would be like food, transportation, housing, maybe rents, mortgages, what have you, entertainment, healthcare, uh, pretty much what people generally spend money on. Uh, at any rate, it's announced each year in October. It takes effect for your Social Security checks when they start for the month of January in the following year. So again, even if you haven't started taking Social Security yet, you may be delaying to 70. You may not be at uh, the age for which you can start Social Security yet. Um, you would have that COLA impact your benefits uh, each year. If you want to know a little bit more about how that's calculated, the formula and all that sort of thing, uh, you can see that website there at the bottom of the screen. Take a screenshot, write it down real quick. Hopefully you've been doing that while I've been talking here. And uh, you can look up a little bit more information about that. If you don't get it, just shoot us a message. We'll be glad to um, uh, respond to you with that. Let's go next to the... Uh, Earnings test. So uh, the 2023 earnings test threshold, uh, it is affected by the cost of the adjustment. So if you're under full retirement age, and we're going to talk about that, uh, what is full retirement age? Well, full retirement age is the age at which you can collect your full regular Social Security benefit, sometimes referred to as the PIA or primary insurance amount. Um, we'll, we'll get into a little more detail about that in a few minutes. But if you are 
younger than that, prior to FRA, full retirement age, and you're working, then there is a, a withholding of Social Security benefits if you exceed a certain threshold. Well, uh, the withholding is a dollar of benefit is withheld for every $2 that you earn over the threshold. So it, it applies to people that are under the full retirement benefit or receiving benefits. And for 2023, that threshold is $21,240. In 2022, it was 19,560, and this is that what I was just talking about—a one dollar benefit withholding for every two dollars over the 21,240 dollars. Additionally, if you were receiving benefits prior to and turn full retirement age in 2023, so. You may have started benefits before your full retirement benefit in 2023 or in a prior year. But if you turn full retirement age in this current year, then that limit of $21,240 doesn't apply. It's now a dollar for every $3 that you earn over $56,520. And that's up from about $50,000 in 2022. So this COLA or cost of living adjustment, it affects the earnings test threshold too, if you're receiving benefits and you're less than your full retirement age. So once you've turned full retirement age, there's no benefits withheld, no matter how much you earn. You can earn a million dollars a year and you still get your full social security benefit as long as you have reached FRA, full retirement age. There is one other uh, earnings test aspect that I want to take a moment to explain, and that's called the monthly earnings test. So let's say if you were to file Social Security, file for Social Security in 2023, and you were under full retirement age, FRA, and you continue to work. Well, when you file in that first year, your benefit's going to uh, be subject to having or to be having money withheld from it. If you don't meet the monthly earnings test, or in other words, if you exceed the monthly threshold, and for 2023, that threshold is $1,770. So you'll have that $1 for every $2 earned over the $1,770 per month withheld in that first year of filing for Social Security benefits if you're under FRA. Um, the following year, you're subject to the regular annual earnings test. So you don't have to look at it on a month-to-month basis. It's the full 21240 So you might work half the year and be under that limit. And uh, no, there's, but, but you may have earned all the money in just a couple of months where you were over that 1770 monthly threshold. Doesn't apply in the following year after the year in which you apply for your initial Social Security benefit to start. So generally, we recommend that people wait till you stop working to apply for Social Security so that you don't end up having to deal with this earnings test. You don't have end up losing some benefits that you uh, might otherwise keep. And um, there can be some exceptions and we can uh, you know, talk about individual circumstances if we have a, a chance to do that at some point. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Payroll taxes for 2023. Let's, let's talk about that. There uh, is a maximum amount of earnings that you can have in a year that are subject to Social Security tax. And if you earn more than that limit or that uh, that's, uh, maximum earnings uh, threshold, then you don't pay any more Social Security tax on the rest of your earnings. And for 2023, it was 160, or it is $160,200 
which is an increase from last year's 147,000. So you can see again, those cost of living increases increase some of these things and have some impacts. It's not the same COLA, but it's it's a formula that's in the uh, system. And you can see the website here where you can check that out. So jot that down and uh, you can go to that website later and look at it. But um, anyway, the, the higher your earnings, the more Social Security taxes you pay until you get to that 160200 level. In 2024, that will go up again and so forth each year. But, you know, the inflation adjusted income on which you pay the, the tax um, it still is, it means you're putting more money into the system, which means you're getting more benefit. And uh, it's, it's a pretty good investment in the form of that inflation adjusted income you get from the COLA when you start receiving benefits uh, for the taxes that you pay. So check that out at that website if you'd like to, and we can talk about that more. Uh, payroll tax rates, however, do not change. So the amount you pay the tax on has changed each year, but the rate at which you pay does not change. So if you are employed by someone else other than yourself, you would pay out of your um, paycheck, you would have withheld 6.2% of all the earnings you have that are subject to Social Security uh, tax. The employer pays the same thing also on your behalf. So the total amount being paid into Social Security is 12.4% of the earnings that you have up to that $160,200 limit. The self-employed person pays it all. So the employer, the employee each pays 6.2. If you're self-employed, you pay 12.4. Medicare tax rate, also no change, 1.45 on all earnings. If you pay 1.45, your employer pays the other 1.45. There is, you, you pay it on all of your earnings. There's not a limit of 160,200. Uh, so if you make $300,000, you pay the 1.45 on all 300,000. If you're self-employed, you pay 2.9. So you pay both halves, the employer and the employee part. The maximum tax, therefore, if $160,200 is the max on which you pay Social Security tax at 6.2%, that's $9,932 in taxes you pay there for the year. If you're self-employed, it's $19,864 that you're paying in. And then Medicare tax would be on top of that at the 1.45. If you're employed, 2.9 if you're self-employed over and above the Social Security tax amount. Okay, what about taxation of Social Security benefits? Uh, that takes care of payroll taxes. So this is why you're earning money and paying into Social Security. If you're already collecting Social Security benefits, but you're not retired and continuing to work, then you would um, still be paying Social Security taxes on the earnings you have, even while you're collecting Social Security benefits. And of course, that can impact your benefit positively wouldn't negatively impact it, but it could affect it positively. So let's take a look at um, the uh, taxation of the benefits once you do start receiving them. So ever since 1984, Social Security benefits have been subject at some level to taxation, depending on other income that you have. So that's important to keep in mind. It's, it's, it's a, a calculation that takes into consideration other income you may have. So this table here is showing your filing status on the first row on the left-hand column. If you're married, filing jointly, next row down. If you're single, head of household, a qualifying widower or widow or widower, uh, or you're married, filing separately and living apart from your spouse. 
Now, the bottom line is if you're married filing separately and you're living with your spouse, that's another matter. And in that, in, in fact, in that case, all of your social security is subject to 80 or 85% of it, I should say, is subject to tax, uh, no matter what your other earnings are. Okay. So that is if you're married, filing separately, and you're living together. And, and they're just trying to eliminate, trying to take advantage of some uh, loopholes there. Okay. So married, filing jointly, you're under 32000 of provisional income. I'll define that in a moment. Then you pay none of your social, or you don't include any of your social security in your taxable income. Therefore, none of it is taxed. However, if you reach the $32,000 provisional income level, but don't go over the $44,000 level, as much as 50% would be subject to tax. And I have a, a couple of charts in here. I'm not going to spend time on them because they're too small. So let me just talk about them a little bit here. At 32,000, 50% of your, of your social security benefit is not included in taxable income. It just starts to be included. And as you move through this phase here from 32,000 to 44,000, gradually more and more of your social security benefit is included in taxable income until when you get to the $44,000 level, then a full 50% of your social security benefit is included. So if your provisional income calculation produced a $32,000 amount, or let's call it $33,000, only a very small amount, just a percent or or so of your social security income would be included in your taxable income. Now, if you reach the $44,000 level as a married filing jointly uh, couple, then you begin to move from 50%, which is what the amount would be included at $44,000, up toward 85%. And then you reach that level and that's the cap. You don't go above 85% of your social security benefit being included in your income. Uh, those numbers are 25,000 with zero social security being included in your taxable income for single head of household and so forth from 25 to 34, up to 50% is includable over 34,000. It begins to move up toward the 85% level. And again, if you're married filing separately, but living together, then over uh, zero is 85%. So all of your social security gets calculated at 85% included in your taxable income. So what is provisional income? And you've probably been reading this at the bottom. It is your adjusted gross income or AGI plus one half of the social security benefit plus any tax exempt interest you might have. Taxable interest not included. You just basically take all of your adjusted gross income, which is basically your other income, minus adjustments, um, which things like uh, IRA deductions, uh, self-employed health insurance, there are some other things. You add to that one half of the amount of your Social Security benefit. So if your Social Security benefit is $24,000 a year, you would add 12000 of that to your adjusted gross income and then apply these thresholds to see where do you fall. A lot of us don't know these things these days anymore because the tax programs that we use like TurboTax, or if you have your tax return done, it calculates all this stuff and you don't have to fool with it. But it can be rather complex trying to get to um, with that number if you're, if you're doing it yourself manually. This next page, uh, this is showing a single taxpayer. This is the actual page in the um, documentation for filing your tax return that you utilize in calculating how much is included in your taxable income, whether it's going to be 50%, 85%, or what have you. For a single taxpayer, for a married, here's that number there or that calculation there. 
Again, I'm not going to spend any time there because it's crazy calculations. Uh, happy to walk through it with you if you want to on your particular circumstance, but I think we can leave that for right now. So what's new with RMDs? If you're not familiar with that terminology, it's something you want to know. Um, RMDs stands for Required Minimum Distributions. It has to do with IRAs. Um, and so the the laws changed on that recently. It's changed uh, actually a couple of times over the last few years. Uh, you may remember, and, and I hear this a lot still, that when you reached age 70 and a half, you had to start taking distributions in a minimum amount that's calculated each year out of your IRA, starting in the year you turned 70 and a half. A couple of years ago, there was a law that was passed that raised that age to 72. So I hear more and more people uh, talk about that. But just uh, starting this year in 2023, that age now has been raised to 73. Now, that doesn't mean that if you happen to be falling 73 this year, and last year you were 72 and all this stuff that you start making adjustments, you're already in the system if you are, were 73 this year because of prior years. But um, if you need some help figuring out the RMDs, there's some tables in the IRS uh, code that you use to calculate that. And it's based on the value of the account of all accounts, actually, that you have that are IRAs, um, not Roth IRAs, and not 401ks if you're still working. However, if you've left money with an employer's 401k and you are not working and you've reached the beginning date for RMDs, uh, they also have to be distributed. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot of different rules about that, more than what we want to get into today. But um, the the thing about RMDs is that you may have, prior to reaching the age where you have to, figured out uh, what your tax situation would be and all that sort of thing. But then if you have to start taking these RMDs from your IRA, that might change things. So you want to definitely plan ahead so that you maybe don't get bumped into a higher tax bracket, maybe where you can do some planning. You might even not have to pay taxes on your RMDs, just using standard deductions and things like that. Um, but also you want to plan ahead so that you don't actually end up paying more tax on your Social Security. Uh, one other thing about calculating the RMDs is the IRS has updated their life expectancy tables. And so it allows you to actually take a little bit less uh, when you're calculating it. And um, as I mentioned, you might get bumped into a higher tax bracket but when you start having to take RMDs. So it's really worth doing some planning and, and looking at what you're uh, staring at down the road. How do you head off taxes on Social Security benefits? Well, plan ahead, first thing. So if you're well in advance uh, of your RMD, uh, you might want to think about uh, maybe pulling down on your IRA before you have to. Now, you want to obviously be in a situation where that makes some sense. You got to be 59 and a half to avoid penalties for early distributions. And, um, you know, most people are retiring later because of, uh, you know, it's just opportunities to work are there and people may enjoy their work and that sort of thing. So uh, you, you don't want to get forced into a higher tax bracket when you do start taking your RMDs or have your Social Security more of it taxed. So just in order to beat that, um, just do a little consulting about this beforehand. So you might say, hey, it could be worthwhile to 
draw down some of that and just get it repositioned. You might, and, and one of the ways you might do that is convert some of that money to a Roth IRA. A Roth IRAs are monies that have already been taxed. So if you draw down from your IRA, you, you include that distribution in your taxable income, but you could do what's called with that a Roth conversion, where you move it over to a Roth account, where there's never any income tax out of that. You meet the rules, they're fairly easy to do. Um, you, so all the earnings that you have from the time you convert money to a Roth, and you don't have to do your whole IRA at once, you can do it over time. But all the earnings on that in the future are tax-free and uh, you don't have to include them in taxable income. So that would help you in terms of maybe not having as much of your Social Security subject to income tax or maybe not any at all. Complex, you want to do it right. Don't just go out and do this. Get some help. Make sure you're doing it right. Uh, the other way to potentially pay less Social Security is to delay it um, so that you don't have uh, that in your taxable situation for as many years, but it also increases the amount of benefits you get. It's not the main reason to delay benefits, um, to, to reduce the Social Security taxes on it, but if you do get the higher benefit by waiting beyond full retirement age, it's you know a, a nicer benefit, but it could also help you on your taxes also. Um, just a good idea to do some planning and uh, talking with someone that understands this stuff and, and can help you do it. There's been some legislation uh, over the last few years that I referred to earlier. The first was that SECURE Act that passed in 2019, and it changed the starting date for RMDs from 70 and a half to 72. Another thing it did was it changed the fact that, you know, it used to be once you reached 70 and a half and had to start taking out under the old law, uh, RMDs, that you can no longer contribute uh, tax deductible to an IRA. Now you can, as long as you have earnings from employment, from self-employment, what have you, uh, you can contribute to an IRA that is deductible, also non-deductible, and we won't go there, but that there's some reasons to do that too, possibly. Um, the other thing that changed with the 2019 SECURE Act is that beneficiaries of IRAs, if you inherit an IRA from someone, a spouse, uh, well, the, the rules didn't really change for spouses, but for other than spouses, you now have to uh, take the money out of the account within 10 years, typically. That's the typical thing. There are some exceptions uh, that make it um, either longer or earlier that you have to get the money out of the IRA. Uh, but those are some changes that occurred with the 2019 Act. Important to be aware of it. And how you take it out is also uh, uh, an important thing to be aware of. That depends on where the person that you inherited from was in the process of being required to take distributions or not. I'm sure I confused you. Well, maybe not. You guys are probably smarter than I think you are, uh, or at least smarter than I am. <laughs> it is complex, and it takes a lot of work to go through this and figure it out. So then they did that in 2019, give it a couple of years, and in 2022, they made some other changes. And now you don't have to start taking RMDs in the year you reach 72. It's in the year you reach age 73. And there are a lot of other things that they included in this new tax law that uh, changed the uh, uh, things on retirement benefits. So just more than we want to get into today, just be aware, a lot of things to think about.
Thanks for tuning into the show this week here on the podcast. Again, if you have any questions on things you heard on this week's show or any other, make sure you're reaching out to Mike and having a conversation specifically about your situation. And again, you can find him online at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as we'll be doing a second portion of this a little bit later on in July. So tune in to us on Strategic Planning Podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify, and we'll see you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.